Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set on a quest to create the greatest podcast. Uh, sorry, dude. I thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia. No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's, it's pronounced Appalachia. Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff. These ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. You start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you. Good Lord, sir. (laughs) This goose has gone rabbit. You think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the goose squad? Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie. Breach. And they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who live in the area constantly searching for answers. Mm that they probably will never, ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian Intelligence. All right, everybody. Welcome to an episode of a swap cast between Appalachian Intelligence and Cryptids of the Corn. We got Justin tonight. Justin's got me tonight yeah. and possibly Lance. I was like, there can only be one Justin. We had yeah. to kill Kaiser. Oh, yeah. We killed Kaiser. I <laughs> swear, I think he's the government psyop. I can see it. He has looks at, he's got those wild eyes. He does. He not trust. Yeah. And he moves all jittery. Yeah, it's crazy. I keep this shape of eyes. As a matter of fact, my wife was doing these AI photos the other day. She goes, here, let me do one for you. And it made me an Asian samurai. All right. (laughs) I got a story for you now already. So everybody that's our listener, check out AI. I have their links below. These guys are amazing. We love them dearly. Uh, They're killing it out there. And uh, we pretty much started pretty close to the same time. And we've, had a lot of similar growth, and it's been an amazing ride. I'm pretty sure we're going to do a live show this fall or winter together. Yes. And it'll be near your guys' hometown. Uh, so be on the lookout for that, everybody. Uh, I know we have, we've kind of talked to our Patreon listeners about it, and I think they all want tickets. Nice. I think they just want to throw stuff at you and Jay. <laughs> and then they just, they, people love getting me drunk, if you can't tell. Listen, there's, uh, there's no holds bar in Virginia. It's recreational now. We can don't we can have a great time. Just don't let Jay do any of that side of it until after we present. <laughs> yeah. He folds like a wilting flower fast. <laughs> and it's just I think it's because he's so small. <laughs> Maybe. And it just is like anything, anything runs through him. I'm every when I get him to do shots. It's funny to me because everybody at home knows I'm like 300 pounds and he's like, we're almost the same height, but I always make the joke that he's really tiny. It's <laughs> short. And, but he's only like 120 pounds. So he's like a third of me. 
and I'll I'll <laughs> buy him a shot every time I'm buying me a shot, and he just crumples. <laughs> I'll be like, it's okay, buddy. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh, I love picking on Jay when he's not here. We can pick on Justin too. Yeah, he's not he's here. Weird looking. Yeah, it's his crazy ass, man. That's why. That's why Lil is after him. Yeah, I'm starting to think. The Lilith he saw might have been his agent contact. (laughs) Somebody saw them, and he had to create that story because that somebody is someone we worked with Mm. who's also a neighbor. So he had to create that story, you know, not to raise suspicion. I do want to take a second before I forget. Uh, Eric, our mutual friend from Uncomfortable. Yes. He just, uh, he looks great. He just lost a whole bunch of weight. Dude, I seen that. He does look great. I didn't, like, in all in, in all good things, I didn't hardly recognize him. Yeah. Uh, he looks happy. He looks healthy. He looks amazing. Everybody Uncomfortable podcast. Eric's, we love Eric, but I just wanted to congratulate him because uh, we're like a month pre-recorded on our show right now. So it's like, I, I did on our show, but it's. Yeah. A while away <laughs> but uh yeah so we came we're gonna hang out and we're gonna just kind of throw topics do you want first topic uh i'll let you take the oh gosh stage, sir unless I you just, just wanted me to come up with something off my out of my ass that was no uh, i just wanted uh i guess yeah i got one um first one is in that episode we did a long time ago at the very end of like this three-hour episode you came up with a really cool idea that I've shared with a lot of people of that. When we, we kind of talked about these things, these ancient little G gods or forest elementals or whatever these things are underneath the Appalachian mountains, underneath the coal seams and that they got out and your, uh, your whole idea or your thought at the time was, is that that makes a lot of sense to why these blue blood, rich people, are trying to dig them out. They're trying to dig out their great, great grandpa or, you know, whatever it is, the source. And to me, it's still like, I'll get drunk and tell everybody about that. (laughs) And it's because it still blows my mind. Cause I think me and Justin just sat there silent for like five minutes, just trying to think like (laughs) that makes so much sense. Cause anybody that doesn't live around coal mining area, I went to college in a coal mine area. I did acid mine relief and stuff like that. You guys live in coal country. Oh yeah. Uh, It's horrible. It's horrible for the workers, the whole thing, except like three people at the very top make any money and everybody down below gets black lung and dies trying to feed their family. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you're always there. I, I did it for 13 years, almost 13 years. And, uh, you're always there. You make killer money. Great money, but you don't get to do anything with it. You know, you got two weeks a year. That's about it. Cause you're, you know, you've got to work those extra days, sign those days off and or sign on for those days that you're supposed to have off, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And they just well, I was just reiterating your idea because to me, yeah. it still is one of these strong, strong ideas out there. Cause I do believe in these things we just did. Well, you know, the Hopkinsville goblins we just did. Yes. Uh, there's another episode coming out. Let me think. 
uh, what was it that we just did? Something. Why am I blanking on it? Oh, <laughs> the Siege of Hanobia is a Patreon episode. Oh, nice. That? No. Uh, terrible. It's a BFRO. Uh, one of their early uh, heavy research topics they did. One of their like their incidents. Bigfoot war out in Oklahoma, essentially with these people. And you know the BFRO, and we love you know we have a lot of friends at the BFRO. We, we actually uh, B Mills is BFRO agent, hardest working woman in Bigfoot. I be, <laughs> she does listen. Nice, um, but the BFRO is very much a flesh and blood organization. Uh, with their beliefs and their views of Sasquatch, uh, and I kind of have I I think there's two two or three different things that we're all kind of calling Bigfoot. But this guy was having war on his property with these Sasquatch, like shaking the windows, trying to get his kids. And the BFR went out there and tried to be like, hey, we're here to help and we'll help watch the property and stuff. And they were just shooting at Bigfoot constantly. But the Bigfoot had glowing red eyes and the Bigfoot would only be like a bunch of these Bigfoot would only be like 50 yards away. And they're shooting at him with like shotguns and 308s and stuff like that. But the Bigfoots are still standing there. So much more points to the other side of Sasquatch. Yes. You know, when we did, uh, we talked about my Bigfoot encounter and then dad shot in the air towards the thing. You know, it took off. It knew what a gun was. It didn't want anything to do with a gun. Whatever these things in Hanobia were, uh, were just, they didn't care. They were getting shot at 50 yards. And you guys, you know how it is. I at home for a rifle and a shotgun, 50 yards ain't nothing. Nah. Uh, you're hitting, especially a big thing like that. Yeah, a large target with a 308, and that's mm-hmm. that packs some power. That's... And they're spotlighting them at night. So they're shining a light on them, <laughs> looking at them, shooting them, and they're like, they duck kind of down after they get shot, and they pop back up a few feet away. And oh, very end of it, though, the researchers found a giant cave or mine shaft opening on the back of the property. And then the BFRO was asked to leave. <laughs> or they left, you know, depending there's a couple different versions of the story, you know, and the BFRO has their own version. And like I said, we respect those guys, but there are other versions of the story as well. So to me, that kind of immediately thought we actually mentioned your thought in that episode. That's why it's kind of on my head today. We were just recorded that today, even though they come out like the same week. Uh that there's just these things. Coal is horrible. And everybody at home may not know, but like when water runs across coal, it makes sulfuric and hydrochloric acids. Yes. I don't know how you guys work down there. I don't know how your skin doesn't just melt off from existing. Oh, dude, lots and lots of lotion. I stay dried out. But yeah, you're right. And we got you got to use lots and lots of water to keep coal dust down while you're mining. You know, otherwise, you, everything goes boom. Oh yeah, then black lung and all. Does anybody still get that to this day? Is that still a problem? They, uh, yes, that's still a problem. But black lung doesn't exist, right? I mean, my dad is in third, fourth stage, at fourth stage, I think, and I don't think he has his black lung yet. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's just it's a joke of a system. Yeah. And, but you know that's. Uh, Speaking of those Nephilim offspring, there's another way these areas are affected was the uh, uh, Purdue Pharmacy family. 
Right there, pharmaceuticals, mining operations, uh, the railroads to haul the coal to keep funding all these events. That's what came to me. And then the, uh, you made me think of it too, Blackwater Project, or the Blackwater in yeah. West Virginia, I believe. And the farmers' cows all died, and that big, uh, oh, what was the company? It was a pharmaceutical company. Uh, oh, sorry. now, but yeah, it was just like start with no, an M. Yes, it did. It was a fertilizer. Yes, no. You, I actually just thought of it. We're not going to say it on here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, we can say the big conglomerate that bought it, right? And paid all the fines. That's just what I was going to say. That's the shady bit. Is yeah. they they went bankrupt? What is say sister company? bought all everything and paid everything yeah. off for them. We can't confirm nor deny if they were a Nazi pharmaceutical company. Because uh the like <laughs> I'm only like 10 miles from one of the big main offices. Oh. It's like so right you're there. legit in danger. Yeah. No, I actually my <laughs> first degree I, I could see their building outside my window. Oh my god. I have an agriculture degree is my first degree. So the college was sponsored by and my teacher hated him and he made it very clear. And we had like this company's textbooks and it's like, just take your Sharpie and highlight everything in red. that I'm going to tell you, and just don't read that part. <laughs> no. I'm like, he's being paid by this company. And he's just like, yeah, they're bad. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh my gosh. But no, it's just, I don't know. Uh, you guys do a lot more in Appalachia. Have you guys, since the last time we really got to dig into this, heard anything more about anything with these caves and the coal and all that? No, man, we've actually gotten... We're supposed to be going and exploring some caves at some point, but I don't think anything until about May is going to clear up for Justin. So, you know, and he's got... The bit he's got a big family, wife's in school, so it's he's busy. Both of them are still working. Slackers. Yeah. Real great A slackers. Yeah. I mean, I told him he's gotta quit putting his family in front of this podcast or it's never gonna work. Like, exactly. I I told him I'll come talk to his kids if he needs me to. Like, you guys are gonna have to start pulling your own weight. Oh my gosh. Uh Connor, when he was here, just messing with him. <laughs> I felt bad for that boy. He's such a good kid, man. Mm -hmm. Sean's in here sl slamming cupboards as he's trying to sleep. <laughs> uh, no, he's a good kid. They're they're great people. We love picking on Justin. No, so that's kind of was my kind of first thought is that I still talk to people about that because I really think they're you were onto something there with this connection of this extreme wealth with a system to pull out that just derogates everybody down except a couple of the top few. Yeah. And coal is just nasty. Whether you believe in global warming, all that stuff, I'm just talking about being around coal yes. itself is just horrible. Uh, like I said, I used to do acid mine delineations and stuff like that. And we, I, I'm sure you got, you've seen a dowser, right? Yes. So for everybody at home, they're like big grain silos is kind of what they look like. They're full of a chemical to kind of 
nutrify the pH of these acid mine drainage. It's the best system we got for them right now because we had one in Hawking County. I think it was Carbondale, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this is a big famous one. It's a research site and all this. Uh, it was a one pH. A one. And for everybody that may not get what that number means at home, uh, it was eating through acid-proof waders. Yeah, I was just saying, it's pretty acidic, right? Uh, That's, yeah, yeah, really, really. like <laughs> So pretty much every point one on the pH scale is 100 times more acidic or 100 times more uh, basic. So to go from a 2.5, which is really, really hardcore, I mean, that's what we're using in the lab for cleaning and stuff like that, to a 1 is just really bad. And it's because it, this thing is, it, it looks like drinking water. It looks like perfect because it's crystal clear coming out of the side of this hill Jeez. and all this stuff. And it's full of aluminum and magnesium, <laughs> and sulfuric acid. You're like, well, it looks so clear. It's yeah, because nothing lives in it. <laughs> you, see how there's no, you see how there's no plants 30 feet from this the stream that's like that big? There's a reason. <laughs> it's because it's killing everything. That one ran. Uh, so the county and the state got in a fight over that one or a different one. I don't remember now. To where they, the county was saying, no, this is the state's job to pay for these things, not ours. And the state was saying, no, this is a county thing. You know, you got to pay for it. Nobody paid. It ran out of material. And it killed 30 miles of stream in like one night. Oh, my God. Because it's even when, it, even when it's diluted into the stream... It's still so insanely acidic. Uh, another couple famous ones in Ohio I can talk about uh, is Sunday and Monday Creek. You cross them over 33, almost getting to your guys' neck of the woods. It's literally on that, almost on the edge of Ohio going that way. Yeah. Uh, if you look down from the highway, they're blue. And it's the copper uh, kind of filtering out. I turn the bottom of the river. I believe it's copper or it's copper green. It may be aluminum, actually, now that I think about it. Magnesium's black. I think aluminum's blue and copper's green. But the stream looks like a rainbow because it's when the heavy metals start filtering out of it before it makes it to the mainstream. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's blue under the highway from all the metal <laughs> leaching out of it. And you can literally pick up the chunks of this blue just substance, and it's just straight. I mean, it's, you know, it's tiny particles of metal. Yeah. It's not like a sheet of aluminum down there, but. Yeah. How do we get on this? I'm bad. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I, I, it was fascinating, man. Like how in the world this happens? Like today, yeah. in the same time, coal's supposed to be down, and yeah. we brought it up. See, and that's the other thing. That's why I don't get the angle of if my idea was, you know, had any basis to it. You know, the ones that own the uh, media would surely not agree that coal mining is a, just a okay, you know. I mean, when's the last time you heard we hear about coal? Nobody talks about coal mining. Yeah, the U.S. here we kind of have this thought, uh, at least from the oh, everyday yeah. coal-fired plants. Yeah, that all of our coal comes from overseas. A lot of it does, but a lot of it doesn't. You guys are still digging it up. Yeah. Uh, no, it's we probably should stay down. Anything, in my opinion, that the second air and water touches it turns into sulfuric acid, not supposed to be up. 
Yeah. If it just starts turning into death and is highly flammable, <laughs> yeah. that's probably an ancient Nephilim prison cell. Combustible. Yeah, you guys aren't supposed to be down there. There's a reason we put a <laughs> this mile-thick rock. Yeah. And we put this, literally, this substance that turns into acid when it meets water that you're made of. Right, and then think about it. Digging. What better prison, man? The sandstone we go through. My gosh. How deep is it actually down there? I I made the joke about the mile, but. Well, the uh, portal at Buck One is over 2,000 feet. So almost half a mile. Yeah. That's, you couldn't, you couldn't get me down there. It's a couple of minutes on that. But, you know, you say that, but they mine everything at like. And these type of mines, everything's like eight, nine feet high. So when you touch down on the bottom, it's all like concrete and gunite with lights, LED lights everywhere. And you're just kind of walking around and it's like a little, they got garages down there and everything. Like it's crazy. It's, it's, you know, setting up for when you guys actually crack into a Nephilim prison. Yes. yes. Do you remember the uh, Rain of Fire movie? Rain of Fire. Can't say that I do right now. It's the dragon movie where they basically wiped out people. Modern day dragons. So basically coal miners in in Europe, they dug and got to a pocket underneath this coal vein. And when they opened it up, it woke up all these ancient dragons and they burst up and they pretty much wiped out humans in a couple months. And they they were in there since like the Jurassic. They were wiped out the dinosaurs. And they would just hibernate extended periods of time and come out and wipe out all life. Jesus. Now, what are these ancient things we're talking about? And that they're responsible for mass extinctions. Literally, when they get back up here, they are so against life in its pure form that they're just bad for it, whether they're killing everything on purpose or it's just as like a byproduct of their existence. Uh, have you ever heard of the great dying? Mm-mm. It's the largest mass extinction in, in the world's history as far as we know. Like 98.9% of life all died in a very short period of time. Deep ocean, atmosphere, everything. Died, dead. Uh, and then fungus took over the earth really fast after that. Uh, literally, there was some carpets of mycelia networks on the surface that were meters thick. Just because there's Jesus. so much dead material. These mushrooms, these fungus are working overtime trying to decompose it. We don't know what caused it. It's other mass extinctions. We kind of got some ideas. This one, we just, we don't know. It's called the greatest murder mystery, the great dying. Oh and by the Nephilim. There we go. I'll blame yeah. the Nephilim. Yeah. What if it happens just ever so often? And, and then the mushrooms just recreate everything again. Don't lick God. Yeah. Don't lick God. Another. No, I've been I've been warned. <laughs> All right, your turn. Well, sir, I have been on you know, for the last several weeks. I have been on a Graham Hancock, Randall Carlson, Ancient Apocalypse kick. So it, it's been as recent that I've started being able to catch up on my regular podcast. So that's how I got caught up on you guys. And (laughs) 
everybody else, Hollow Sky, those guys I got caught up with, Eric, Bump, all of them. So, but uh, I'm, we haven't mentioned it yet because I haven't been able. I've been busy. I've been trying to look into it. It's hard to find stuff. But, dude, right down the road and just right next to Tony, have you heard of the Egyptian temple in Tennessee? No. Yeah, so there's a lake down there. I can't remember the name of the lake now for some reason. Anyway, before this lake was there, they're digging out for this. And they uncover this freaking temple. And this Egyptologist from Europe is like, uh, yeah, that's Egyptian. And then the Smithsonian apparently said it wasn't. And then they just flooded. Sounds right. And they put the lake there. So under that lake, it's supposed to be this Egyptian temple, not a pyramid, but a temple. So, uh, I don't know why this. So, there's actually a similar thing in Wisconsin, and they did the same thing. And I don't. Uh, our buddies, they used to do a show that I think it's going to come back. America's Scary Land, uh, a joke on America's Dairyland because they're both Wisconsin based. <laughs> uh, Nick and Jake, uh, we talked about it with them a long time ago. But like I think it's called the stone house in the lake. But it's like a giant structure made out of like block stone. And they just they built a reservoir around it. To just, I don't know, to make it disappear like that. You know, Sasonian, they'll come in and tell you it's whatever. And then they destroy it. Like yeah. they throw the mammoth tusk in the river. And all right, get ready. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, dude, I think the Velociraptor. It's probably my favorite dinosaur. Oh, yeah. So Spinosaurus aegypticus, uh, the recent reconstructions show it much more with a stubbier legs and larger front arms. Uh, and it makes it look much more like a modern day crocodilian. Uh, and, you know, they lived at the same time as Tyrannosaurus rex. You're but they were on a different continent. They were dealing with Car Carcharodontosaurus. Uh, we actually just found a Spinosaurus skeleton. Uh, Spinosaurus skeleton, Justin. That has a chunk missing out of its sail from Carcharodontosaurus. <laughs> Completely ignore me like that. How dare you? Love you, Lance. I didn't think you were showing up because you hate me. <laughs> Listen, I wasn't going to show up, but then I heard you were going to be on that. Absolutely had to show up. So, uh, so we're talking about dinosaurs. That's a theory, or that's a thought for tonight's episode. It's not real. It's a big museum. What? You heard me. I did not, I promise. I said it's fake. It's all big museum's way to get us to the door, pay more yes, money to big, see the paper to see the paper mache <laughs> skeletons they have built for us. Because big museum is doing so well right now. <laughs> better, better than the common man, Justin. Doing better than the common man. No, yeah. I'm, I'm is the Smithsonian I'm technically a museum? It's not. It is not a museum. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it. When we did our Smithsonian episodes. Uh, I'm sure we've talked about it with the board of directors and stuff like that. Yeah. Everybody at home, just take 10 minutes. If you don't believe me, and I always tell everybody, don't take any of any of my words for research yourself and educate yourself. 
<laughs> just look up at the board of directors of the Smithsonian. If I remember correctly, there's 16 people always. Eight of them are normally appointed, uh, or four of those eight are normally appointed by like Congress. The other four are normally appointed by the president. And then the other eight are normally picked, or they're supposed to be picked up professionals of fields like art, paleontology, space, you know, there's all of those things are supposed to be the like masters in those fields for curating a museum. Look them up. They're almost all of them are big tech moguls. Most <laughs> all of them are cousins of congressmen. There's only one guy, the last time I, I brought it up, that out of 16 people that has a degree in anything similar to what they should. Let me ask and, you this question because this is all news to me, right? So does the ones that are picked, or I guess, I guess appointed by political offices, does that roll over with each new administration or is that can. one? So a lot of, a lot of people don't mess with it as far as presidents and Congress go, because it's, it's their buddies, right? Sure. So yeah, I, I think we all kind of agree on this show that, or at least in my thought, you know, there's no such thing as red or blue. It's just, it's all the same puppets. Yes. Left wing, right wing, same bird. Exactly. Yep. So. It's all so the thing is the Smithsonian is not a government agency. It's not controlled by government rules. It's not. It's all appointed, but half is appointed by the government. So uh a big thing we talked about. I don't know how we got the Smithsonian. Oh, Lance, yeah. I'm sorry we screwed with you. You're welcome. Yeah, we, we talked about that talking at the beginning about dinosaurs. of the episode. We were gonna wait for you to come in and immediately start talking <laughs> about dinosaurs. <laughs> uh so, but, so uh the Smithsonian. Uh, you guys ever heard of the NAGPRA law? No. Okay, so with a lot of laws, and I think we all kind of can agree with this, a lot of laws are at least made to look like or made with the best intentions. And then people grab them and twist them and use them for other means. So right. NAGPRA was made. It's, I can't, it's a huge, long acronym. It's basically the North American, Native Americans, whatever, uh, act to allow them to reclaim artifacts and uh, bodies from their tribe from public collection. So let's say they go to a local museum and let's say they're a Cherokee tribe and they have Cherokee, you know, a Cherokee chieftains, something from them, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, pinky bones or whatever, or the, a, a peace knife or a peace pipe, they can then, uh, they basically fill out a form and like, hey, you're going to give us that back. And the tribe can will get it back. A lot of times what happens, though, is the museums and the small museums in the tribe will compromise and say, you can keep it for public display, but you have to say owned by or credited to our tribe. And they're, most of yeah. the time they're happy with that. That's kind of where the law is kind of, you know, geared towards. But the tribe can just straight up. Take it back. And I'll wait for Lance to sit back down before I say the next part of the, the law. <laughs> so Lance had to walk up for a second. So yeah, basically the fast is just, it's designed for a Native American tribe, an existing tribe that's a part of the law because there's a lot of extinct tribes to go to a public collection and get their stuff back or their relatives back. That's it. A lot of times how it works out though, actually near our cabin in Michigan, uh, it just recently just happened in NAGPRO usage with a public collection. It was like a county museum, okay? So it's like maybe twice the size of this room. <laughs> and the tribe just is like, hey, we just want, the most time it's just a plaque that says donated by this tribe for public display. That's all they want. They want recognition that this is our stuff that was taken or lost or, you know, whatever. 
but it's ours. And that's where most tribes, that's where the law stops. The Smithsonian, this will end up probably getting me shot in the back of the head one of these days. Yeah. Uh, the Smithsonian uses NAGPRA. Not what it's designed for. It's designed for tribes. To gather artifacts and uh, bodies of living and extinct tribes. Another thing it's not for. From other museums. And you know what they do with this stuff? They bury it in an undisclosed location. So the law specifically says nothing, no protection for extinct tribes. Extinct tribes are stuff's up for grabs, right? Because there's nobody to claim it. Nobody has right to it besides the public. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's not, it's we're not, you know, it's we've talked about some extinct tribes and stuff. And it's just for those tribes, only when those tribes can complain or ask for their stuff back. It's not for a government or a non-government agency to use. The Smithsonian's been doing this. Now, the last time we talked about that was probably early last year when we did, I actually looked at the numbers. Will you guess how many artifacts they've taken back from other collections and how many bodies? I want your guys' guesses on those numbers. The Smithsonian has collected on behalf of extinct tribes. A whole lot. I don't know. I'm going to say... 300 and 150. Uh, 300 artifacts and 150 yeah. bodies? Yeah. Lance? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say like 4,000 artifacts <laughs> and 2,000 bodies. Lance, you're much closer, <laughs> uh, but you guys are still missing a couple digits. Holy cow. Uh, right around 750,000 artifacts oh. and a little over 100,000 human remains. They're just burying them somewhere? Yes, undisclosed locations. AKA the middle of the Atlantic. Yeah. Like <laughs> driving around a big cargo ship and just chucking boxes of Native <laughs> American stuff in the ocean. Like a Boston Tea Party in reverse. Yeah. So, all right. And like I said, everybody at home, please look it up yourself. So what's the all right. So I mean give I mean, I don't know, give me two good reasons on why they need to do that. Well, it depends on, I guess, in, in their mind, I guess, right? We, yes. I mean, we, our conspiratorial brains can go anywhere with it. Right. right? That's what I'm what? saying. It's a uh, very baseline uh, American history. There's this big thing that, you know, humans were here in North America sure. relatively recently. And we have found several artifacts that have made it to public collection that are claimed to be much older. Uh, the a real famous one is the gnawed on mammoth bones out in, I think it was California. Uh, that would have put it back to like 60 or 70,000 years, you know, much further back than traditional thinking, which would mean we crossed the land bridge the first time, not the second time, which changes everything. So that's the first kind of thing we can look at is that these artifacts may actually be, because they're extinct tribes, but nobody here are living today that can kind of be like, oh, I know what that means. I know what that says 100%. So is that to cover up the timeline? And you could do it from a, just a purely financial standpoint. So we have large swaths of commercialized land. And when they find Native American artifacts, you know, it stops a whole a whole construction site. But we have these others that have been deemed uh, not livable where they don't have to get some of these permits to even look for Native American artifacts. Now, is it because they're just barely not digging deep enough? Or the archaeologists that go out there for the longest time don't look a couple more inches down, you know, a couple thousands of years ago, you know, digging the layers off. Uh, and then even more conspiratorial, 
these could be artifacts relying to the native uh, the North American giants, and that they they were hang-ons, you know. And I uh, we talked about on our show the Great Headache that some of the last interviews with what people claimed were giants, the last giants of North America, said that they all died basically due to the sickness in a very short period of time. And they said, you know, it started as a headache and they'd bleed out of their nose and then they die. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guy or the name of the disease, but he took this ancient interview. I mean, this is like 1800s, somebody interviewing a giant or a giant's offspring. And the disease that was being described fits a modern day human disease. Almost to a T. A recently like discovered last 50 years. But it could say that's all coincidence. You know, humans, there's a lot of us. We're going to crop up some weird diseases every once in a while. Uh, so there's that angle of it that it's covering up the North American giants. And as we know from the Smithsonian, they swoop in. The word giants mentioned, they're cracking those bones up and snorting them in the back of the room. <laughs> uh, so they need that. They need that hard drug. I got to take a drink. Let me ask you this question. I purely want just your opinion on this, okay? What's the reasoning behind the Smithsonian wanting to... What do you think the reasoning is behind the Smithsonian or any government entity for that matter wanting to cover up the fact that there were North American giants? What's the purpose there? Do you know how Smithsonian got started? Sort of, but please enlighten me. As far as my research and our knowledge, you know, and it's all, like I said, everybody look up your own stuff. A small group during the start of this country came together and wanted to form the equivalent of the British Natural History Museum here in North America. But they wanted the government stamp, this government seal, and some funding. The trade-off is the government didn't want this at the time. The US, The early U.S. government did not want to deal with an entity, you know, already. They're still trying to figure out mining rights and logging rights and mining surveys and logging surveys. So the Smithsonian said at the start, way before they got funding, we'll do that part for you if you give us the government okay. And the U.S. government's like, okay, you're taking a huge load off of our shoulders. This is your guys' responsibility now for the fledgling U.S. government. Do you don't and you guys I know you guys know, but the two, everybody at home, the one of the two of the largest US industries, especially for exports, minerals and lumber. So they got really early in on uh and you could go with the religious way, and I know I that's how I feel, but it's not a, a fact that hiding, especially working with like the Rockefeller and stuff like that. We have this very universal thought of how time works and trying to get rid of religion and stuff like that. And I think there was a lot of giants here in North America. I think this was actually probably their last strong suit. I think with the Christians and every early uh, Jewish people and everything wiped them out and, you know, the Middle East and, you know, Asia and all this stuff. And I think the last strong suit was these North American guys. So it makes sense that they have the most recent carcasses like Lovelock Caves and stuff. So I think it's completely are two reasons. The same reason I think they cover up Bigfoot is to not slow down logging and not slow down mining or mineral stripping and to keep the conventional time scale going. Because giants are the first domino in questioning everything. Because we went through in the early 20 or the early 19th century of this getting rid of religion. You know, a lot of countries like Russia made it illegal to have any kind of religion. 
not just Christianity or nothing like that. Russia was you atheist country legally for a long time. So this working religion out of the picture, whatever you anybody believes at home, it doesn't matter. To, you know, it's just what any religion they're working it out. We were told this is all fairy tale. This is all myth. And, you know, the same thing with some cryptids and paranormal stuff. So to me, giants are that first domino in unraveling all of that. If a if you come out with a giant skull and say, I guess giants are real, you then take a second look back at everything. You're like, if they're real, maybe the flood's real. If that's real, maybe this is real. That's real. The ghosts are real. You know, and it starts, the questions start piling up really fast. So I think that's, and I think the giants were the easiest one to prove it a long time because we were digging them up in the 1700s, 1800s, everywhere. I mean, Adam Benedict has a whole book on just these old newspaper reports of people. Yeah, Stone Quarry blasted, found a giant. And I do think they existed. I I think and it, I think they probably existed in North America relatively recently. I think they're probably still out there just in very, very low numbers. Uh, and modern day giants, a lot of them are reported to have blue skin, uh, paradactyly with extra fingers, the, the extra teeth. That's a high sign of inbreeding and in mammals. Blue skin, extra fingers, extra teeth. Which would make sense to a species that had a huge population reduction. And we may be dealing with the end of them, you know, as far as do you think then it was predictive programming or a bait and switch to make the Smurfs blue? Since they're really, since they're really small. Yes. In case we did see one, we wouldn't freak out. How many times do you think Smurfette got Smurfed? A lot. (laughs) A lot. Do you see in one of the episodes? I I can't say that. Never mind. I'm not that wrong. There was a Smurf hole. Uh, no, I I do fully believe it was, especially the Rockefellers educational system oh is being forced into the U.S. about the same time as Sony was getting its bones. Right. Do you know in the land of the 18 early 1900s, the Sony had outposts all over the planet. Uh, one of our giant flying man rays we talk about on our show. These Argentinian workers, these miners, sorry, okay, Argentinian miners shot and killed one. Big old thing. And they were just shooting at it because they came out for lunch and it was flying real slow. It just sounds just like our man rays we talk about. And they filled it full of so much lead it crashed. And they said it was like, it sounded like a dying whale. They just said it sounded big and sad. And guess what was 12 miles away? The Argentinian Smithsonian outpost. Uh, they called him. They hauled it away happily. They crawled basically up the top of this mountain they were mining on, got it out of there, and then they had no reports of it. And all these Argentina miners are like telling the newspaper, like, yeah, the Smithsonian came. We're so excited that, you know, they're going to have this thing. And nobody believed these guys because they disappeared. <laughs> the only reason it got any credibility is one of the miners cut the tip off of one of the wings and had a chunk of it like that big before it started to rot really bad. It was showing people this like gelatinous mass. And you could say it was a chunk of a jellyfish or whatever. But it just seemed, you know, this is 18, I think, if I remember, like 1898, 1899, like right at the turn of the century. And they're in the mountains just carrying this chunk of jelly around. Like, (laughs) no, no, they took it. So I just think it's just to keep, I think right now they're being used to keep extremely large industries running 
and nobody asking any questions. Because questions for any kind of any kind of government are dangerous. Especially when it's I think to me the paranormal is even extra. Because if they came out and said ghosts are real, like yeah, we got one in a in a Faraday cage. Everything's real then the next day. If something you were told was a, a, a fake your whole life, boom, everything's real the next day. And now what's also in that kind of category? All these government conspiracies, all this stuff of are they poisoning us with fluoride? You know, and it's well that was that's stupid, right? Well, I thought ghosts were stupid two days ago. Now I know they're real, and they got one in a cage. <laughs> aren't we? Aren't we kind of seeing that already a little bit though with the aliens? That's the the more and more alien, uh, I don't whatever you want to call it, press that's kind of coming out. I mean, I mean, all our all of our young lives, right? Aliens were like not real. Like it was. I mean, yeah, there are people who obviously thought that they were, but like we grew up. In a time in which like UFOs and like yeah, the X Files was cool and all that stuff, but we all just kind of assumed that aliens were just fake, right? I mean, it's just one of them yeah. things that just yeah, maybe they're out there, they're probably not though. Something that's just they're just entertainment for us. But now, over in the last two years, we've had so many accounts and so much video and congressional hearings on these things. Do you, do you think? I guess maybe changing veins a little bit that one of these days, eventually they're going to roll one of these things out in front of us, and then now. Every the, the paradigm changes in, right? Because if that's real, then everything's got to be real. So you know? I, me and Joel literally just did talk about this this past week. And Joel was here at the house. And I've talked about it on our show. Yes, they are. But here's what they're going to do. So we talk about organic UFOs. That's kind of what the thing that got us kind of famous out there is these animals, these earth animals that happen to adapt and evolved in the upper atmosphere. And they're just like the whales and the sharks and everything up there. Uh, I got to talk to Ryan a little bit before you got in here that we just did an episode about aeroplankton and there's actually thousands of species of animals, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of species of animals, plant and fungus above our head. And they now think they're controlling the clouds that they actually form cloud vapors around them on purpose to make favorable environments like big reefs. Think of it like that. Mm -hmm. uh, what I think will happen though, next three to five years, they're going to roll one of these living UFOs out that I fully believe is less than 5% of UFO sightings. If you add up all the UFO sightings, I think these are about guys are about 5%. Uh, you know, there's a very certain subset. And what will happen, in my opinion, nobody will care. The second it's an animal, an earth animal, not a space animal, not coming from somewhere else. The second they say, yeah, they evolved up in the upper atmosphere. We have, you know, we've been doing these aeroplankton research, you know, for the last 20 years. And we have jellyfish. There's actually jellyfish cousins in the upper atmosphere right now. So it's not a stretch to say that there's a big one because generally where you find plankton, you find whales. Uh, right. And just these are the whales. Uh, they're harmless. The second they're an animal, nobody will care. I worked in biology. I worked with endangered species. The second it's an animal, nobody cares. The second it's a harmless animal because that's what they'll tell you. So they're going to haul one of these guys out in a flatbed in Washington, D.C. or something like that and be like, look, uh, one of these creatures died. We got their body. This is a UFO. They're bioluminescent. They, you know, they come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. They're harmless. They're just animals. All UFOs are animals. Quite opposite what I just said. You know, 5% of these UFO sightings are probably animals. And the rest are everything else. And what will happen then is nobody will care anymore. The UFO community will die overnight. You, every time you look up and see something strange, it's going to be an animal. You're just going to mm -hmm. tell yourself. There's giant things that live above our heads. Of course, we're going to see them every once in a while. 
and it will, the government can then do, specifically the government can then do whatever they want over top of us. Because every time you see something weird, you're going to Google it and it's going to be an animal. Every time you, these triangles, these giant massive things, because some of the, the jellyfish ones we get talked about in like Sweden, for example, are almost a mile long, but they look like like a hybrid between a hot air balloon and a jellyfish. And they're huge, but in their bioluminescent, they have glowing spots on them. If anybody doesn't realize how much a jellyfish can look like a piece of technology, look up deep sea cone jelly light displays. They look robotic and organic and all at the same time. They have these systematic light patterns and flashing. It looks like a rave or a disco. It looks like it's in highly intelligent. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're gearing us up for that right now. We're getting us all paying attention to the UFO community uh, so they can kill it in one go. Seems to me. And you know? Joel didn't believe me at first. And now he's like, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> it's because I beat him in Monopoly. <laughs> all right Lance, topic. so this guy I'm, i was i caught this video on instagram about some bigfoot footage right and uh all i commented was uh great footage just wish i could see one to truly believe so this other guy comments on that this is on the show's Instagram account. Look up the Zanu forest people if you want to know the truth about Sasquatch. Uh, have you guys ever heard of the Zanu forest people? I have not. Mm -mm. I have not either. So let's feel this little silent gap as i google zanu how do you spell it i was gonna ask uh, x-a-n-u-e so why ryan's pulling it up lance what do you think if you had to put bigfoot in a box or several boxes Eesh. what would you think okay wow. so for the long when we first started this podcast several years ago i was a complete and total bigfoot, bigfoot denier mm -hmm. all right um enjoyed the the mythology behind it, like, and love the stories and would consume all of the content about Bigfoot. But I myself was just like my, my analytical science brain said that if there was one of these things out there, somebody would have captured really good evidence of it and we'd have a body or at least a skeleton. Right. I understand that yeah, stuff die in the woods all the time. We never find a body because other things come and eat it. Yeah, I get that. Right. Maybe they're smart enough to bury things. Yeah, I get that, right? But at some point, somebody's going to at least uncover a skeletal remain of some type. That was my thoughts for the longest time. Um, I actually, like, growing up, like, believed in Loch Ness Monster. 100% thought Loch Ness Monster was real. Still do, but never thought Bigfoot was real. Okay? But then once this podcast kind of started, and we started having these conversations with, with people, and I got more into this weird area, I guess, right? And, and just reading and researching and hearing more of these things. Like, I'm for sure, like, I, I think Bigfoot is out there. I think in my mind, the reason that we don't or are unable to see him on a regular basis is that he has an adaptation either in his body fat or his fur that much like other animals don't see 
the full coverage spectrum, right? right? So like crows, right? For example, you can drive a rock on a crow and it, it you're almost going to hit it and then it finally flies out of the way, right? Crows see on a very different color spectrum. So like they don't see, if I'm not mistaken, they see pretty much just like black and white, right? So these big, once a car comes towards it, this big black blob gets close enough, well, then, then it flies away. People who are colorblind, right, don't see certain colors because they're, the irises are just this way. They're, but, but the mutation in their iris or however you want to describe it. So like I always give, I always go back to the example. Like one of my hunting buddies had just made a really nice shot on, on a deer and we knew it had been hit. We watched it like we watched it jump. We knew it had been hit, but it ran off a ways shooting with a muzzleloader from a pretty good piece. So we went to the place where we shot it at to blood it. And we were looking everywhere to try to find the blood trail on this deer. And I was just like making circles wider and wider and wider around him as he was kind of looking in the area. And I never found a blood trail. Well, I walked back to where he was at and he was standing right in a big pile of blood. But because he was red colorblind, it was blending in with the leaves. Uh-huh. He had no idea it was there. It just looked wet to him. And then once I well, right there's a button, eventually we went and found it, right? So he, he couldn't see that color. I think Bigfoot has an adaptation either in the body in the body fat or in their fur, whatever the case may be, that we are unable for the most part to see on his on the on the, the spectrum of what his fur is. And that's why when we do get pictures of him, when we do see a video of him, it's always blurry, right? It's always it's never very clear because he has the adaptation. That's why we don't see them very well. And if they stay still. They have heightened senses. They can smell a lot better, hear a lot better than us. So they know that we're coming. They just stay still. We simply just can't see. Them. And that's one of the reasons why I think that they're definitely out there and the reason that we don't see them more often than we do. I, I fully get behind that, with the, especially the flesh and blood Bigfoot. I think over, if you'd asked me three years ago, I, I'm fully, I was fully in the flesh and blood camp. But we've had so many people on the show that have had them, like cartoony walk-off cliffs and had them the glowing red eyes and all this. It's just people I believe I have, I haven't experienced that. My Bigfoot was very much flesh and blood. As far as I know, it was scared of a gun and it wanted food. So that's flesh and blood fears. And once, as far as I know, but, uh, we just had too many people. So I think there's several things out there that we're kind of lumping into what we call a Bigfoot. I can absolutely get behind that. And I think that's the big problem in the Bigfoot community right now. We do conferences, you know, us, we do, 12, 15 conferences a year sometimes. And that's the big fight is the flesh and blood camp and the paranormal camp. And I just don't think it's a fight. It's just, they're, in my opinion, probably different things. Now to what you said with the, the color changing ability or this, this masking, uh, we had a lady on me, have been a Patreon episode. I don't even remember anymore. It, it, actually, I we may just talk to her where she was, uh, watching a Bigfoot across an open grass field and you could tell this Bigfoot was angry kind of like Patty kept looking back at her you know just like I did not you know I got caught and she said this this thing was brown it was brown red like an orangutan you know very bright colored and it walked into the trees and the second it got to this tree line it stopped walking she's like I could see its silhouette and she said it just started disappearing like it was phasing out of reality and she's like I watched again and as I'm staring at it harder she said it looked like the outer hair is standing up and its actual coat underneath is black. So the second it got to the shadows, it had muscles on its hair and it was showing the black coat 
instead of the red coat. So to the human eye, it was disappearing. You know, it was it was being paranormal. It was actually just going somewhere else. Once she refocused and was really staring at it, it was still there. It was still standing there. But now the coat was either black in color. So we have a lot of animals that actually, we have muscles on our coats, you know, on our our hair, on our, our skin and stuff like that. You get goosebumps. Those are actually the muscles on the basis of your hair. We Our hair doesn't really stand, stand up anymore. We don't really have thick hair and we don't really have those muscles anymore. Uh, but there's several animals that have this double coat. Orangutans are a good example. They have a larger outer coat. Like, do you know why orangutans and maybe Bigfoot have all the extra hair on their arm that gets reported? It's the same reason cowboys have those tassels on their arms. It gathers the rain and gets it dripping off your body instead of staying on your body and making you wet. Hmm. It's a direct biological adaptation and a human-made thing to keep you from getting soaked. And that's why cowboys have those tassels on their arms. Because you always wonder that, right? When you see these manly guys out there and they have, <laughs> why the heck are they out there wearing these, what you would think is, you know, these almost flamboyant tassels. And it's no, it's, there's a purpose. It keeps water going off you. So the, the you know, orangutans are from tropical rainforest. As far as we know, Bigfoot, you know, lives in humid environments and the Pacific Northwest rainforest to where it would suck if you got soaked every time it rained. Yeah. So, yeah, no, Lance, I, I agree with you on a lot of that, that it's just that they, they have, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian. So my theory of evolution is very different than a, a lot of conventional thoughts. I believe species can adapt and change over time. I just, the theory of evolution is very wrong in the start of the wheel, in my opinion. And, you know, they don't have really a way it started. A bunch of amino acids, I guess, lightning struck it and <laughs> life came out of a tidal pool. That sounds pretty magical to me uh, versus, you know, I don't know, God creating everything. So it's all to me. It's, you know, I'm I believe God created everything. Um, But there's these animals that experience what I term hyper evolution. To where they get kind of superpowers, right? So on another interview I just did right before this when we talked about uh you guys may have may not have heard of this animal, the electric stargazer fish. Hmm. So do you know there's a fish out there that shoots lasers out of its eyes? What? They kill food. What? Swear. Uh, I'm Animal going right now. Electric stargazer fish. Stargazer. They, they bury themselves in the sand. So their face and their mouth is on top of their head. They look wrong. Imagine a fish out of hell. That's kind of what you got. But forever, scientists didn't understand how they hunted, how they killed prey. Because these guys would stare at fish and then they would die. So if you're a biologist, you're swimming out in the water with these fish and you see them staring at another fish until it dies. It's like the old men that stare at goats kind of thing. They're like, what is this fish doing? So they now just found out it actually has electrical organs in the corners of its eyes. And unlike an electric eel, they can actually aim them to stun and kill prey. So they shoot lasers of electricity out of the corners of their eyes to hunt. 
Oh my god! So you want to tell me that a giant North American ape thing can't adapt or evolve or whatever? <laughs> yeah. We have a fish that has super Superman's powers. Yeah. <laughs> There's an animal that shoots lasers out of its eyes to kill things. And then the pistol shrimp and the mantis shrimp are other famous examples of these animals that can just kind of break the laws of physics with how the, they work. The mantis shrimp is just crazy. You know what? In general, anything with the word mantis is just crazy. Yeah. Mantis are already crazy animals. And then you name something else. Yeah. Snatching birds and shit out of the sky and just freaking having their way with like that one that eats that lizard. The lizard's like thinking, oh, I got myself a meal and that. Mantis is like, uh, I don't think so, sir. I love praying mantis are cool animals. Yeah, but I mean, think of all that. And I seen a meme the other day. Said, um, so you're telling me unicorns are less believable than a giraffe? (laughs) Exactly, a horse with a with a horn on its head. You know, like we have have rhinos. Yeah, we have rhinos. We have. Animals, we have big herbivores that grow horns out of the front of their head. Yeah, so you're telling me that's less believable than a giraffe, just in general, a giraffe. Or a hippo, you know, a tank underwater. Literally a murder pig. Yes. I can't can outrun you. I can't stand Lance right now. (laughs) I'm getting the home improvement vibes of the neighbor. Listen, that's just how I have to do things, sorry. No, it's okay. Small, I'll bring like, my face over just to let I'm you trying know, to judge how you're judging me. All I get oh, is like, getting, oh, I, you are getting judged, Justin. I can't even show you what heavily. it looks like. Everybody at home, it's like you're heavily getting judged. <laughs> heavily, you're gonna get behind he's his, that. He's got his windscreen. Just buy mics with them built in. I like this better. These people want <laughs> yeah. it easy. Oh, uh, Ryan, what do you think before you tell us about the Zulu people? Zanu Force people? Yes, sorry. Zulu is a country. <laughs> Zulu, yeah, I was gonna say, isn't that a nation? But uh I think I think you guys are I, I agree with Lance on this. I believe there is a physical thing, but there's also these things that might be able to, you know, take that shape. Cause you know, you hear people say they interact with these things and they're okay. And then you hear other people say, do not interact with these things, you know, like do not go near them. They're terrifying, you know, different encounters. Right. So who's to say these flesh and blood thing, not saying they couldn't be, you know, territorial and violent, but more apt to uh, accept a gift of food or something like that. Do not give them food. No. Oh my gosh. Our next week's episode, I just do, started doing research for, as in, it's actually like a month away from recording this, but as far as people know, podcast time travel <laughs> is all about killer Bigfoot. <laughs> and almost all of them start with, you shot at them, or you gave them food, then stop giving them food. <laughs> Think of them as having a temper tantrum, but they're nine foot tall and they can throw a cow. Imagine we had if... A, we had a, sorry, just go ahead. Oh, go ahead. We had a, a, a listener story that was in, a young man was in the woods with a gun and he was had this creepy feeling. Felt like something was watching him. So he proceeded to pick up his gate to try to get home. And an empty milk carton came flying out of the woods at him. 
He thought oh, it was boy. close to an area, you know, like a trash dump or whatever, that a Bigfoot had probably been in the area getting food and then thought that he was there to give him more. He didn't, so he was slinging trash at him. <laughs> My God. Uh, I think he's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> now, did I ever tell you about the Cincinnati lady? No. Uh-uh. Famous Bigfoot case. So this older, this an older white couple, uh, big, you know, very wealthy. They had owned a lot of property on the edge of Cincinnati, uh, out in, out kind of in the country, but still very close to like the city. And they had like four or five barns and all this stuff. They were retired farmers. So these barns were kind of sitting empty. They used to be full of tractors, livestock, all that kind of stuff. And she started seeing what she called two black teenagers but they were just really big black teenagers had moved into her last barn. And she was just thinking uh, that they, you know, probably ran away from home. And she's like, at least I know they're safe, you know, on my property and stuff like that. And we're not using it. So I'm not, she's not, they're not hurting anything as far as I know. And, you know, I'm just going to let them stay back there. So what they started doing this, this older couple is getting them pizza and food every night, pretty much. They would go into town and pick them up something to eat and kind of put it by the front door of this barn. And then they'd go and do whatever. And they would always be gone. It would always be, you know, the food would always be gone. So in their head, they're fully taking care of these two young teenagers. Uh, you know, they're, try, they're trying to be nice. You know, these kids ran away from home and they're in their mind. But they said they were huge. They're huge. And they kept using the word black kids because they could see them every once in a while at night. And they were very dark skinned. It's what they thought, you know, probably dark fur. Uh, they went on vacation for three days, just a short little vacation to see, you know, relatives nearby in Kentucky. Came back, everything was destroyed. Everything, like plants, their they, trees and little trees in the front yard were ripped out. Every window was broken. So as they're getting ready, they're like, we don't know what to do. These kids destroyed our place and blah, blah, blah. And they, this is like months after giving them stuff and they'd never had an issue. Uh, they, they, the father, or the, sorry, the, the husband was calling the police, was on the phone, seen one of them standing, staring at him. And he's, uh, he, uh, he was basically trying to say on the phone, it's a, it's a big black fella, but it's not a big black fella. Uh, <laughs> it was all like, and then he just hung up, and then the thing left. So they called Bigfoot researchers, and they're like, well, you know, what led him up to this? Oh, we were giving him a lot of food every night, and then they stopped for three or four days. Uh, these what apparently were young Sasquatch uh, destroyed the place out of a <laughs> tantrum, and they were lucky they weren't home. Uh, so the BFRO researcher, uh, maybe it wasn't a BFRO researcher, the, the Bigfoot researcher, basically said, like, hey, you know what you should do? Uh, leave for like three, four weeks, go on vacation, and, you know, pay somebody after that to come out and or, pay somebody where they're gone to come out and start fixing everything. Uh, eventually, they're going to get the hint that they're not being fed anymore, and they'll probably move on. And hopefully all the construction workers will kind of show them there's a lot of new people out here, and they'll take that as the hint it's time to skedaddle. So I guess the long, that was a long story for telling you not to feed Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, just don't feed him. For it's God's not sake. worth it. It's not worth it. They're fine. So, ready for this drum roll, please? The Xanu uh, Forest people. Let me find the button. Don't say anything yet. 
right. <laughs> Wrong button. <laughs> the Xanu Forest people is a freaking Bigfoot camp. <laughs> I think I got got in the comments. It's a what? It's some kind of Bigfoot camp up in Oregon. Oh, like a like a go do thing? Yes. I thought you meant like a camp of Bigfoot. So I'm like, oh no, I mean you got God. That sounds amazing. No, started by Doctor J and his wife Cynthia. I don't know anything about this camp, so I'm not going to say anything. Hit the button again. Negative. Right now is the time to hit the button. (laughs) (laughs) So that led nowhere. That cricket button's really long. Bigfoot pictures and things like that, but it was just a long story about how Dr. J had his encounter. I'd say all cool, it's just not what, not and what it's thought. not the basketball player, Dr. J. <laughs> this is just I'm getting more and more disappointed by the second. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh gosh, now I'm gonna forget it. Have you ever heard of the the Bigfoot that was captured in Russia and the guy basically Forced her to be his bride. Yes. And they had kids. And it was just a wild woman. Uh, it was probably an African-American woman. Yes. And the locals didn't have words for it. Oh, they, they, they think it was African-American? I thought it was an actual wild woman. And we did a, a short episode on it. And what I, we think it was, was literally a black slave had escaped and was stuck in the freaking nowhere in Russia. Uh, a young, you know, this black woman, uh, and after they had sexually abused her and got children, and then it kind of got famous, they were like, Nope, she's covered in hair and <laughs> nine foot tall. And yep, she was a monster, not a human at all. I found a way to not, get it up, anyways. Not, not a <laughs> not a poor woman we found freezing to death from Africa. Now, listen, if it's true, that's pretty impressive because this is long before the days of Viagra and Cialis and all that. I mean. Oh, if it's an actual Bigfoot? They didn't even have Piggly Wiggly bags. (laughs) (laughs) That goes for the ladies, too. (laughs) My gosh. See, I'm right on the edge of what people know as a Piggly Wiggly. (laughs) I, They're still down south everywhere. But they never really made it to the Midwest. No. Ohio's kind of that weird state where it's half Appalachian, half Midwest. Yeah. And I'm very much in the Midwest corner. Yeah, and I see, I lived in the, the more Appalachian corner of Ohio when I was yeah. up there. So. See, I can see Kansas from here. Yeah. Just flat all the way over there. Yeah. Your dog runs away, you can watch it for three days. <laughs> <laughs> that's a i don't know if you guys ever heard of the show corner gas <laughs> no okay it's a canadian it's a, uh, it's a show based on like a town of like 250 people in saskatchewan <laughs> nothing happens it's the best show ever there's like <laughs> 10 seasons please do yourself a favor everybody at home corner gas the main uh the main actor and the writer he still does comedy in a podcast day is called Brett Butt. Brett Butt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does the Butt podcast. So, nice. 
No, it's just I just one of those shows. It ma- reminds me of home so much because <laughs> everything's flat, nothing happens. You just make trouble because it's just there's nothing here. I What's think I made it pretty clear on a previous episode how I feel about Kansas. I won't say it again. I I only drove through Kansas <laughs> one time and about went nuts. Yeah, and I'm from a flat. I'm from the flat part of my state. Driving through Kansas was different. It's like a sea of grass. Yeah, dude. You could walk off and never be seen again. It's and- you, you know what blew my mind was North Dakota. Like, we were going across. We went through Bismarck, you know, and it's just nothing. And literal tumbleweeds. And then you'll see a patch of trees. And if you see a patch of trees, that means there's a house there. And because they planted them up for windbreaks. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, it says Theodore Roosevelt State Park or National Park. And, dude, it opens up into these rolling fields, green grass. And then when you exit the park, it's just back to nothing. It is the craziest landscape. Those people up there are tough. Yeah, because it sucks. Dude, the weather is, oh, my God, cold. Oh, I thought Alaska was, no, Alaska wasn't even that cold. Because it's like, like they say, a dry heat. It's like a dry cold, you know, up there. It's so dry. But Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, that area, holy crap. I thought I knew cold. I didn't. So I'll tell you two stories about being cold if you guys want. Yeah. Uh, See, I'm kind of known for having a lot of hair. (laughs) Uh, And my hair's always been long. It's it's actually really long. It's just really low right now, but it's like 10 and a half inches. Uh, Anyways, we were ice fishing on a lake called Burt Lake. Uh, Right at, it's the last lake before you transfer to the UP. Because there's Mackinac Bridge. It's like the last lake on the left. So we were out. It's like a mile and a half wide and like eight miles long. It's a huge, huge body of water. We're out there in a blizzard. I can't stop my four-wheeler because every time I stop, it's snowing so hard, I'm getting stuck. So I have to, I pick the snowmobile trail. I'm just flooring it. Grandpa's on, like hugging on the back of me laughing, so I never stopped. And our buddies are in a much larger four-wheeler. Um, So I just assumed that they were doing fine. I turned around and we stopped, got to the fishing spot. I turned around, they're gone. Can't see 30 yards. No cell signal. Our four-wheeler stopped. The only way to get our four-wheeler moving again is to get it pulled to start running. So we're stranded out here. Oh, uh, We're like, so guess what we're going to do? We're going to set up and start fishing. There ain't no other options. We're nowhere. It's a mile and a half off this chunk of ice. It was negative 35 with, I think that was without the wind chill that night. Uh, So when I got there, I had, from driving on the four-wheeler, my face and back was just ice. Uh, So we start setting down in the shanty and everything, and I get the heat running for Grandpa. I go up, and there's so much ice on my hat. I break a chunk off, and I start thawing it in my hands because I wanted to take a picture to show my a chunk of my hat froze off. I wear those big furry trapper hats. And as I thought, 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 I'm like, that's not raccoon fur. That's my freaking hair. 
I broke a chunk, one of my curls, off my own head. It was so freaking cold. It was absolute. So we get in set up. These guys take like an hour and a half to find us. Franks, I don't know if you're listening, but this was you guys. It's Frank Sr., Frank Jr. They finally find us. Give me no cell signal, nothing. Oh, and Frank actually had a paranormal encounter that day. <laughs> uh, and he's never, it's the only paranormal encounter he's ever had in his life. So we're fishing. We fish for like 12 hours. Don't get a single bite. Don't see any fish on the screens. We had put cameras down and watch fish. We got one fish at the end of the night, and an eagle tried to take it from us. <laughs> so we're fighting this. We scared, had to scare this eagle off. Uh, his encounter, though, so Burt Lake, anybody, any of our Michigan natives that are listening on either show will know that Burt Lake has a woman in white story. A little different than your guys' woman in white. She ain't coming for the hot tub people or nothing like that. <laughs> uh, we lose ice fishermen every year, unfortunately. Ice fishing is a sport you need to know what you're doing, or it can be it can it can be very safe or it can be very dangerous. I teach ice safety classes for kids every year and stuff like that. I've fallen through and I've gotten out. I've been fine. You don't know what you're doing. You can die real easy. You know a couple things, you'll be okay. We actually took a bunch of our Patreon listeners up ice fishing this year. Nice. Uh, a Patreon outing. So he is driving looking for us. And there's a lady on the bank, like this older lady. He said like 80s. And just a 90. I told you it's cold enough. A chunk of my hair froze off. So Frankie's obviously going over. He's like, Hey, ma'am, because it's right on the shoreline. Uh, she, you, know, you see houses behind her, and she's like, "Ma'am, you know what? Do you, you need to go back to your house." And she's just screaming, "Bloody murder!" And he's like freaked out. And there's other people around him that are fishing like 30, 40 feet away that aren't reacting to her. So Frankie's like, "Okay, I guess this is a known thing, you know that you know these locals know that this lady gets out and stuff like that." I'm assuming. Somebody's going to come get her. I'm going to go back fishing. And he knows nothing of the paranormal. I had actually done an episode about that before he had his encounter. Doesn't listen to the show. He does now, but anyways. So he gets back and he's telling me, yeah, this woman is just screaming at the top of her lungs. We're like 100 feet away. We don't hear nothing. And none the, apparently none of the other fishermen near him heard anything or were taking it seriously. So on Burt Lake, it's, on, it's called... Uh, it's Oak. Uh, it's the Oak Point is where we're fishing off of. It's famous that her husband in the 80s died ice fishing due to a snowmobile hitting his shack. Oh, she just go. She died screaming on the edge of the lake, waiting for him to come back. So ice fishermen say that every year, you know, especially during the really bad time of the season, they see her sometimes. And Frankie knew none of this. I knew all of this. So Frankie comes back and he's like, man, I hope that woman's okay. I don't got cell phone signal. I'm trying to, I want to call the police. And I'm like, what happened? She's like, she's just an old woman in a white nighty. And I'm, we walked back over, nothing. No tracks, nothing. You know, nobody there. It also was snowing like 16 inches every three or four hours. So <laughs> yeah. it could have filled in very fast. You know, there's always <laughs> that side of it. Uh, but in that temperature, in a nighty, you will die very oh, fast. Yeah. Very fast. I mean, we were we had heated gloves and suits and all that, and we were cold to the core. Let alone if you're in a nighty, you know, and being elderly, you know, it does not help. 
Uh, so yeah, it's Frankie's only paranormal encounters in whole life. Holy crap. Sorry, I talked a lot. Oh, no. That's awesome, man. I think it's Lance's turn to pick a topic. It is. I mean, you said you had another story of you almost freezing to death, right? Oh, I fell into Lake Michigan. Holy shit. That was bad. That was dumb. Uh, You shouldn't let me keep talking, Lance. Absolutely. (laughs) We want you to. So. We're entertaining than we are. It's because I've been dumb a long time. And now my body's all broken, so it's harder to be dumb. <laughs> now it's time to sit and tell. Uh, it's time to be perfect time to have kids, because you can be like, yeah, you cannot do anything stupid. Or I've kicked alligators. I've done all kinds of stupid stuff. You cannot be, you cannot do something more dangerous than I have. Yeah. We're fishing the uh, Manistee River Pier, where the Manistee River dumps into Lake Michigan. It's the end of October. We're fishing for salmon and lake trout. Uh, the river, the lake was actually pushing back up the river because of the wind. So this river, the pier kind of, there's two piers that run alongside where the river goes into the lake. And they do this so it doesn't erode the shoreline. They kind of channel it out a little further so then it opens up out there. So salmon and lake trout love this little section. And you can, you're pretty much jigging. It's like 50 feet deep right off where you're standing. And you jig a big metal spoon down there and stuff like that. And they'll come and slam it. So I got to take a drink. <laughs> Everybody, you know, Ohio is the second drunkest state, right? <laughs> yeah. Nothing here. <laughs> oh, so we're up there fishing. And Frankie was there also. And my, uh, my best friend, Nick. And it was a sucky trip. We're there for eight days. We've got one fish. So we're all kind of, we're all extremely cold, the wind. So that was one of those where the wind chill was probably pushing us. The real temperature was probably like one or two degrees. It was right there in the, the, the low single digits. The wind chill coming off, we were on the edge of Lake Michigan. So, you know, hundreds of miles of just nothing blocking this wind. I bet you it was negative, probably another 30, negative 35 or something like that. Again, maybe negative 40. Uh, we're the only idiots on this pier. <laughs> we got a video because everybody... It's the one day the fishing was good. The only day the fishing was good when the only idiots on this pier. Because uh, what was happening is the the lake was pushing in the waves. The water would be coming up onto the pier or being 15 feet below you. So every time we got a fish, we were nailing fish this day, that you'd have to wait for the wave to come up and net them. And then they'd drop, you know, drop back down. We hadn't even had a really long net. Didn't matter. But there's a guardrail. And the net fish, you had to stay on the outside of that guardrail. Dumb. There's a reason there's a guardrail there. So you don't fall into Lake Michigan and die. Dumb. Um, so we we had a lot of fish in the cooler. We're doing pretty good. And Nick just hooks with this monster fish. We're thinking it's a sturgeon. They're there. And sturgeon get very big, you know, six, seven feet long. And the way it's acting, it's just weight, right? It's just not moving very much. And it's just this this hole meant for big king salmon. You know, the fish get 60 pounds, bent all the way over, and just not moving. But you could see the line, you know, the pulse of a tail, but moving real slow. So we're all geared up. And then we see it. It's a trophy lake trout. 
<laughs> I mean, they call them dinosaurs because they live to be like 80 years old. This thing is just looks disgusting because how old it is and just monster. And this is Nick's first trophy fish of his life. And like I said, this is my best friend, childhood best friend. We've known each other since kindergarten. I really want to net this fish for him. He's been on every fishing trip with me and I've gotten all the trophies, never got one. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to net this for you. I'm wearing waders and stuff. So I'm on the outside. The problem with this fish is that when the waves would come up, most of the other fish would come up with them. This fish was staying at the same level the whole time. <laughs> so I'm on the edge of the guardrail outside, leaning over, trying to net it. I'm like, Nick, you just got to pull one heart one time real hard and I'm going to net it. It's probably going to break the line, but I'm going to net it. He does. I net it and a wave hits me and I'm gone. I'm flying into Lake Michigan. All I do is throw the net handle to Nick. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and then I Frankie catches me by the collar of my of my suit. And I'm laying on the edge of this concrete barrier, just getting the crap beat out of me by these waves. I can't catch my breath because it's well, this water is so cold, slapping you in the face. And then Frankie drags me up over. I'm glad he was he's a strong man because he just, you know, gets me up to enough to where yeah, and then we went and ate pizza. Like, you know what? We're done. <laughs> uh the whole time we're looking at this fish, uh, and we're like, this doesn't look right. It's supposed to be a lake trout, but it's wrong. Uh, there's some there's some off stuff with the markings and stuff like that. Later on, we found, and Nick got it mounted. It's on his wall. It's what they call a splake trout. It's a hybrid between a brook trout and a lake trout. Huh. It was about half an inch shy of the state record. Oh. So Nick, because it's his only trophy fish he's ever gotten, and he talks about it all the time. He's all excited. So yeah, this is the second coolest I've ever been. My hair didn't freeze off, but water, wet, like you guys said earlier, wet sucks a lot more than dry. Cold. <laughs> dry cold sucks, but wet cold really sucks. Yes. Yes. When there's humidity in the air and it is cold, it sucks. It's like, I'm sure Lance can agree. We've had some nice weather lately, and now this nip in the air is getting on my nerves. Yeah, it was 65 degrees in Northwest Ohio a couple days ago. That's the apocalypse in February. (laughs) You know, we're normally we normally can't go outside this time of year. Yeah, it's your coal folks problem. Putting all that (laughs) fossil in the air out there. We (laughs) disgusting. Yeah, no worse than that uh, video I watched the. Weather people telling you there's not a storm front coming in. That's the military doing exercises, dropping chafe or chaff or whatever they call it. That's fine. Don't don't ask questions. It's just aluminum and uh, what a fiberglass and some other particles, and it messes with radar system. Oh, the blanket screening, right? Yeah. So you guys ever seen? There's a okay. There's a word for it. Uh, this guy studies snowfall on mountaintops because it doesn't melt. So it's kind of like a time capsule, you know, because you can see what precipitation holds in it every year because it's all kind of layered on top of each other and don't melt. Uh, he's been asking questions about all the aluminum in the air because I think it was, there's some cool videos on it. You guys should definitely watch them. Where he's like, in like 01, let's say, there's 500 uh, parts per thousand, which is a lot. Or parts, sorry, parts per million. Everybody clear? I'm drinking. <laughs> so parts per million, 500 parts per million. That's a lot. That's a lot of anything. 
uh, like for example, true selenium in its true form, uh, one part per million is lethal. So, you know, 500 of anything is, you know, kind of dangerous. Most of the stuff should just be water. And water, you should want water. That should yeah. be the majority of water. <laughs> uh, and then, like, say 2010, 10 years later, it was like 4,000. And he started raising the alarm bells then because he's, because 10 years before it was nothing. It was like, you know, two or three, you know, negligible parts per million. Now it's once 500, now it's like 4,000. I think the last time he did a video about it, this is his job out in the mountains. That's all he does. Uh, it was like 15 or 16 or even 20,000 parts per million. And he just is asking why. Yeah. Like, it's obviously, you know, there's something happening up in the atmosphere that we just, you know, there's aluminum cans falling out of the sky, essentially, <laughs> in the snow. It's just, uh, it's all uh, this uh, weather manipulating or cloud seeding and crap they've been doing. We, How don't, they- we don't do that. No. Not at all. Here, have your history book and read. <laughs> this is the Rockefeller approved version. Yes. <laughs> Oil's good. Brought to your brother Smithsonian. Yeah. Just have some fluoride, baby girl. <laughs> you know, we're the like the only country that hasn't outlawed that, right? Yes. Yep. We didn't. The DW Conspiracy Shack did an episode on fluoride. Do you know what Hitler was using fluoride for? Uh, dumbing his people down. 100%. Yeah, apparently it calcifies uh, the pineal gland. I don't know mind. about that, because we talked about that in the conspiracy episode. Yeah. But it definitely does a lot of stuff to your mentality, and it doesn't do anything for your teeth. Yeah. So I don't know why. You know, it was a poisonous byproduct forever. Yes, it is a poisonous by it's I mean, byproduct. Yes, it still of is. I'm saying how, as far as industry was dealing with it. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? Put this in toothpaste and we could sell it instead of have to pay somebody to come pick it up in barrels with hazmat suits on. Yeah. Here's some radon for you too. Put that in your toothpaste. <laughs> Speaking of toothpaste, have you seen the video? It's a total conspiracy, but like you know, every toothpaste uh bottle or tube or whatever you want to call it has little um Rectangle with a color on it, like red or black or whatever. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, on like the on the top of it. Yeah, like on the end of it, it has like a red or a black. It's it's, it's like it's a rectangle. Okay, it's it's called the color code. Like it could be yellow or blue or green or whatever. It's a variety of colors that rectangle has. The conspiracy goes that that is actually a code, um, and for the people who are in the know. They get the toothpaste that has the correct color on it, and it is not laced with as much fluoride or any fluoride really at all. It's much safer to use than the other ones. So the next time you go to brush your teeth, just grab your toothpaste bottle and see what color rectangle is on the back of it. You know, it'd be interesting to gather different colors and then have the contents tested. Oh, no, you'd get shot. I mean, sorry. You would commit suicide with four bullet holes in the back of the head after you hung yourself. You can't do that. They'll that you will feel very depressed very fast. Uh very depressed. Yeah. There's a lot of those subjects. One of the fishes went nuts, scared me in the reflection. I gotta pee really bad, guys. I'll be right back. All right. <laughs>
Lance, buddy, it's good to see you. Yeah, man. You know, I've missed recording with you guys. And kind of in and out here a little bit. Things been, been a bit crazy. I know. I was telling him work has been nuts, but dude, I think uh, we got some cool stuff coming up. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. Justin's pretty much in and out until May. So <laughs> he's he's hit or miss. Just keep swimming. Man. We uh I've been on a Bigfoot kick for a little bit now. Okay. I listen to the Cryptid Boys here and listen to their Utah Basin and uh, that was their season four finale. And then on season five opener, they went with the Hodgkins mm-hmm. uh goblins episode that was awesome what i've been on a bigfoot kick i've been listening to the sasquatch chronicles too catching up with wes over there and like i know him wes germer but uh i forgot how fun those episodes are (laughs) when you don't get to listen to a lot of podcasts there's some killer one yeah oh my gosh i finally got to listen to an audio book the first time in ages and i was just like i remember how much i like this Yes, just I'm tired of hearing my own voice. Yeah, I I Justin, I keep an audio book going that I will visit frequently, just simply because it's such a good change of pace. Now I will. I let me suggest one. Let me pull it up so I read the name correctly. Uh, it's by Michael Thompson. It's Winslow. Okay, I I know I always get the name wrong. Let me pull. Hoffner, Hoffner, Winslow Hoffner. It's all about sea monsters, but it's written in like a firsthand account stuff. Very good. Our buddy writes them. Nice. Oh my gosh, I'm so bad at trying to. Don't drink, everybody at home. It's bad for your brain. <laughs> it's the only way I can sleep is the demons. <laughs> Do you guys have any? Do you want to have? I don't know if you want to talk about something funny. What's your guys' favorite bad reviews? Oh man, Lance, what was that? Oh, I've gotten a lot of backlash over the the uh, uh, jokes I made about uh, pronouns, but I'm not going to. One guy that was just furious. Oh man, he was. I mean, just like livid about how he thought our intros to our shows were just for him, just entirely too long. <laughs> you know, we had the same so guy. So much of his time. You had the same guy say that. I meant the same thing. Uh. <laughs> no, it's like I, I remember hearing Justin just immediately the next whatever the next episode you guys recorded was just start taking shots at that guy. It's a podcast. <laughs> You're skip, to listen. Skip the intro. Nobody's holding a gun to your head. We have to listen to the operation intelligence now. <laughs> I don't want to. The intros take 10 minutes. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. We've had the, the same guy actually commented a week later on ours. I like to read everybody's apples because I think they're funny <laughs> sometimes. Like everybody's 99% is super nice and super good and all that. And then every once in a while you get that. Always fun though. It keeps things interesting. 
I do have a a bone to pick. I guess he, he's probably one of your listeners. I don't know if I want to. I want to comment. On, I don't know if I want to call him out or not. We've talked about it on our show because it obviously go, it's our go show. right ahead. Our, our, yeah. Go yeah. right ahead. So the, he commented on both of our shows the same week, almost the same day. And the only reason I knew about it is because you guys were reading five star reviews, and you said his name. I'm like, that name sounds really familiar. Why do why do I know? It's, you know, it's this name and the numbers, right? And I'm like, why do I know that? And it was our newest one star review. <laughs> and it was just how bad our and this is just like recently. What? Like last three or four months. About how bad our audio is and how awful we are. And then it's the same guy that gave you guys an amazing because you guys deserve amazing five star reviews. <laughs> but it just made me laugh. It's just like what? <laughs> but it was all like I don't know. Maybe listen to a really old episode, and yeah, those are rough, right? Our first season, we didn't know we weren't recording on the microphone. <laughs> we were recording on the iPad. <laughs> we had a Bluetooth recorder with a microphone that never worked. Record the entire first season, not knowing that. <laughs> In the second season, I killed two very expensive microphones. <laughs> I didn't know what Phantom Power meant. So I was running electricity to a phantom power microphone and it was just blowing them up instantly. <laughs> and the, the repair guy was like, what'd you do to this thing? I'm like, I plugged it into an XLR cable. <laughs> He's like, do you know what phantom power means? Yes. I do now. And no, he's, I was just like, I'm trying to get the warranty. Yeah, sure. I know what that means. Like, well, you know, if you run electricity to this, these microphones explode. <laughs> Oh, I knew Scrum that. that work out of the box. <laughs> then I went home, and my little recorder had two buttons. One was phantom power, and one wasn't. So I'm here like an idiot, thinking, well, "Of course, a microphone needs power. Why wouldn't a microphone need electricity?" Yeah. What kind of world do we live in? <laughs> now we get like, there's a couple other. We've had a couple recent bad reviews, and it's always just like they talk too much, blah blah blah. It's a podcast. Yeah, you're, what are you doing? It's literally what you do on a podcast. You want to sit here and not talk? Yeah. That'd be an awesome podcast. The two we recently got are other podcasters, too. <laughs> Where's that? That's, that shouldn't happen. No. Andrew. And we try to be very open. We've been very blessed with our success and stuff like and what we do. And, you know, if you notice on our show, we have all kinds of people on you promote yourself. I don't, you know, try to, yeah. you know, we all grow together. But, when we did Tony's show, that made some people mad. <laughs> and now I'm going to, like, just saying, everybody at home, first ones to ever, ever host the confessionals, guest host completely. But no, nice. Tony's great. We all love Tony here. But I don't know. I just, I think those random bad reviews are really fun. Yes. Well, Ryan just listened to our You Into Basin finale. I was really worried about, uh, what we talked about with the Mormons. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't know any Mormons. I don't know. You know, I know one family locally, and they're weird people, and I don't think it's anything to do with being a Mormon. I just think that family's weird. I openly discuss how I think it's cult. It may be. I don't know. I don't, ex- I don't have any experience. I don't have any. But I'll tell you, the nicest emails we ever got about anything 
real nice stuff. Like, hey, we're your listeners and we're we're a Mormon, you know. And you didn't offend us or nothing. You know, that's a lot of them were just you didn't offend us <laughs> or nothing like that, but just but just you know, you do it because I and that thing I was like, I don't even know if Mormons listen to podcasts. Well, I'll probably just offend them. I apologize, but it's just my opinion. What does it matter? Yeah. See, I just don't know anything. Like I said, the one family we got is just weird, and I think they're just weird. Yeah, I went on a cult kick for a while. I was calling everything a cult for a while, but uh, I was listening to a lot of things about a lot of different cults, man, and a lot of the traits fit in a lot of areas. With not just that one uh, religion, but several others, like several different beliefs. There's a lot of religions that... For sure, Scientology is a cult. Like, I actually, I gotta go, guys. You know, you have a have a good night. <laughs> you know, I like my organs inside my body. I like. I've lived a good life. This I've is, lived. A, I got twins on the way. I need to. Yeah. Jesus, you know, that's why Jay can say whatever he wants. Is he's loved <laughs> by no one? <laughs> but we can't find the real Jay. He's gone. Have I? Okay, we'll share it off here whenever we're done with this tonight. But you know, I started. We started selling the mini J clones, right? Yes. You know, Jay didn't know anything about that, right? Yeah, that's what I thought was awesome when you told me. He had no idea. I had <laughs> shipped dozens of them by the time he figured it out. <laughs> and so he's like, "What is this about?" Because he went on the website. I just told him, "Like, check." I was updating the website and stuff like that. Check some stuff out. He's like, "What does that mean?" I'm like, "Oh, I had a whole bunch of your mini clone figures made, and I've been mailing them." It's like, where? I'm like, uh, the US, Australia, Canada, the UK. <laughs> uh, he wasn't he wasn't as ecstatic as I thought he would be. Uh, but Come on, the, Jay. Where's it at? There's one really bad one. Yeah. It is not for sale. <laughs> that is living with us. Actually, it's going to Joel's studio. Oh, nice. Uh, because it's really bad. Oh, man. I'll show you off air. <laughs> but we before we get towards the Lance has to pick a topic. Me and your boys have hit and we've hit my my wheel. I mean, I don't know what else to off the top of my dome. I can't think of anything. I mean, we can talk about giants, giant we've, hit Bigfoot, we've hit dinosaur, like we've done we you 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 have covered the basis, my man. What is yeah. your favorite dinosaur? <sighs> I can't say it on air. <laughs> what do you mean you can't say it on air? <laughs> What? That's a conspiracy. And it's, what do you mean you can't say it on air? <laughs> you hate dinosaurs that much? What do they do to you? I just, I you mean, know. the first one that popped into my head, I absolutely cannot say. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know that I have a favorite one. Am I um, supposed to have one? Does everybody have a favorite dinosaur? Is that like everybody does. If they don't, they're lying to themselves. <laughs> It's actually dangerous for your psyche as an adult human. Well, not to have the, a favorite dinosaur. <laughs> I, I don't. Oh, while, you're, while you're thinking of it, I got to hear Ryan's. Man, I don't know. You can have a couple. I get that. Yeah. T Rex, obviously. Velociraptors, obviously. Parasaurolophus, you know, the. I think those Bron- things are amazing. I'm a, I'm a pacifist. I like bronchiosaurus. That's funny. Yeah. 
You know the fun story with Brachiosaurus, right? Or Brachiosaurus? Do you know it was fake and then it was real? <laughs> no, please explain. So that was uh so Michael Crichton's book Jurassic Park came out, you know, way before the movies did. And he kind of imagined he and a couple other authors imagined the Bronchiosaurus from the, the book. That big, tall so sauropods is that family group and they're two body styles for on average. Skyscraper, which is the bronchi, you know, the very tall, upright, you know, sauropod, and then the uh, suspension bridges. The long neck and the long tail, and they're kind of out long like that. So he described a suspend or a, a, a skyscraper type bronchiosaurus and or brachiosaurus, and it wasn't a real species yet. And then the species, or, I'm sorry, that was a real species when he was a kid. The species got disproven, so it wasn't a real species anymore. But the name got so popular because of the book and the movies. The next skyscraper sauropod they discovered, they named that. Huh. So when he was a kid, it was real. Then it got disproven. Like as and paleontologists, you know, rip each other apart because you're looking at broken bones from, you know, way longer, way, way, way long ago. Whether whatever time scale anybody wants to believe. So it's really hard to put these things together. Uh, yeah. So I'm right there though. The brachy or bronchiosaurus, these giant, and I'm I'm not sure if they would have been peaceful. Look at African mega herbivores. They're not exactly peaceful. Like you look at giraffes and hippos and rhinos and elephants. Yes. They can be. Uh, if you know how to react around them, uh, except hippos. Hippos are just always kind of a-holes. Yes. To everybody. Hippos are just always on the prowl. You know, they'll force themselves to eat meat so other animals don't eat. Yeah. They'll take like zebras and stuff they've been documented from crocodiles. And forcibly eat it so they don't have food. <laughs> yeah, remember that when you think of a hippo. They're awful. <laughs> I'll take any other animal, actually. I'll be in a box with any other animal but a hippo. Grizzly bear, <laughs> lion, tiger. I, I have better chances of living <laughs> with the murder pig. Yeah. Uh, so that's I'm with you there because there's just these giants. People don't realize how big they were. You know, uh, here in the Northwest or Midwest, uh, we have grain elevators in most of our towns. I'm sure you guys have grain elevators too. Uh, you know, the concrete tubes. No. On average, most of those are 90 to 100 feet tall. And that's some of our bigger sauropods, our brachy or bronchiosauruses and stuff like that. Tight. Argentinosaurus was a really big one. Uh, would have been that tall. And they were in herds of the thousands sometimes. You imagine seeing a thousand hundred foot tall <laughs> animals coming at you. you I, don't know what to do. Violent. I just don't think that a carity were there. You know, no. swinging their legs, being that big. You're like, we don't care that answer there. Right? I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's <laughs> the same concept. Yeah, they, they, they're not going to look. My other one is any of the Ankies, the Ankylosaurus is these armored tanks with the club tails and stuff like that. Just because I always like that idea. Just, just get really hard to eat and be slow. Yeah. Don't outrun the predator. Just sit there and be too big of a nuisance. <laughs> yeah. Because they were killable. They just, you're probably going to get your ankles broken. If you broke your ankle and you're 16,000 pounds, that sucked. You just had to try to avoid the big carnivores. The little ones weren't going to do anything. I don't know. 
See, I'm hopeful that a T-Rex would just look at you and be like, yeah, that's not worth the time and walk away. Because yeah. he's really hungry. But making the when we had Lance come in making the joke about Spinosaurus, we just did an episode with involving Spinosaurus. Uh, they had very broken fossils. We don't know a lot about Spinosaurus, and that's kind of the joke in paleontology because they get reconstructed about twice a year. <laughs> because, you know, they just it's fragments, right? We don't we have chunks of these guys at best, especially for Spinosaurus. Uh, you know, the best one ever was destroyed by the Nazis. Uh. So Spinosaurus is a scientific name is Spinosaurus aegypticus, discovered in Egypt. Um, and during the bombing in you know World War II, they were just destroyed the best specimen we ever had. I believe it took 30 years before we found another one. So it just because they're they're rare. So hyper carnivores are these giant carnivores because they could be up to 60 feet long. We're not common in environments. Think of mountain lions today or tigers. You know, if you're the apex predator, you're just not, there's not a lot of you. You, you can't be. You're eating other large animals, you know, every day or every other day. There can't be tons of you. So fossils are rare. But we have one now. So T Rex is a North American animal when you want to think of it like that. There was other cousins of T Rex all over the world for a long time, but T Rex is truly North American, the king. In Europe, or sorry, in Europe and uh, Africa, it was Carcharodontosaurus, was a T Rex sized animal at the same time with a much lighter bite, relatively speaking, compared to T Rex. You know, still a bone crusher when it yeah. came down to it, but you know, but a huge animal. So they always asked, you know, Jurassic Park may just ask the question, you know, who's going to win between an animal that's fairly larger like Spinosaurus, but most likely semi-aquatic or fully aquatic. And they're low, they're big, they're slower to an agile, heavy-biting T-Rex. Well, Carcar Dinosaurus, we have a Spinosaurus sail that just has a perfect cookie-cutter bite out of it from a Carcar Dinosaurus. <laughs> so what most likely happened is uh, he ran back to the water. Uh, carnivores don't like to fight each other. If you look at grizzly bears and wolves, mountain lions and wolves and that kind of, most of the time it's not worth it. Cause you're going to, even if you win, you're probably going to be fatally injured. Yeah. It's just not. So a hard bite, you know, into a soft part of the body that doesn't really matter. That probably where it would end one animal, whoever was bigger at the time, it's probably going to walk away from the other one. Sorry, Lance. I know dinosaurs aren't real. <laughs> I wear bandanas with my hair being this long around the house to clean. I have a dinosaur one I almost wore for you tonight. <laughs> no, do we have anything else before? I, I, know man. We, I know we talked about with Ryan before you got here, Lance, but we're definitely doing a live show this year, whether you guys like it or not together. <laughs> okay. I mean, sounds good. We're going to do it in your eyes' hometown or at least around there. You better find me a VFW or something <laughs> similar, a large space we can rent. I think I'll talk to you after when we're off air. We might have something for that. Perfect. Yeah. Um, how do you guys want to do the outro for this? Well, we'll just say you guys know where you can find both of us: Appalachian Intelligence and Appalachian, Appalachian Intelligence. Appalachian Intelligence. <laughs> and Cryptids of the Corn podcasts. We're going to be putting this up. You can find us on YouTube. I don't know about you guys. You guys go on YouTube? Yep. Yep. 
both of us on YouTube. We'll be posting this. I don't know when it'll drop. Monday, I believe. For us. I don't know when yeah. you guys want to drop. This will be a Wednesday. I just don't know what Wednesday. Okay. I'm going to be real honest. I've been drinking for a while, everybody at home. <laughs> it does drop on a Wednesday, so just expect, if it's Wednesday, be really hopeful. Yeah. But you're already listening, so you already know. Yeah, you're already going to know. So, share the shows. Uh, guys, anything you want to say before we go? <laughs> so if you guys don't mind let's count down from three and i'll scream bye because that's how we end every episode over here sweet all right three two one bye, bye. bye.